0: For our reading today, we have more from Mary Oliver. Swans is the poem. They appeared over the dunes, they skimmed the trees and hurried on to the sea or some lonely pond or wherever it is that swans go, urgent, immaculate, the heat of their eyes staring down and then away. The thick spans of their wings as bright as snow, their shoulder power echoing inside my own body. How could I help but adore them? How could I help but wish that one of them might drop a white feather, that I should have something in my hand to tell me that they were real? Of course, this was foolish. What we love, shapely and pure, is not to be held, but to be believed in. And then they vanished into the unreachable distance. I am so grateful today to have Justin up here with me. I need him. And grateful to be looking at you. I could gaze and gaze like Mary Oliver watching the magnificent white swans. What we love, shapely and pure, is not to be held, but to be believed in. Today, in my next to the last sermon here, it's important to say something about goodbyes. Preparing this message was for me a tender undertaking with a number of stops and starts. On June 15th, I'll retire from full time parish ministry. I will still serve the world in ways related to ministry, but not in this particular kind of role. I am ready for this change. So, you and I are in the midst of our goodbye. And here are the practical nuts and bolts. There's this sermon today. There's my last sermon on May 20th with Ann Reed and the choir singing and hugs and cake in the social hall after both services. We will not reschedule the three good, uh, good goodbye gatherings that were canceled due to a death in my family. We will find other ways. On June 3rd, around our annual meeting time, we'll have a brief ritual where I'll bless your future together and I'll set aside my installation vows. I'll be on the chancel a couple more Sundays, including June 10th, when our intern, Ralph Krogh, gives his closing sermon. Then for a few days, I'll clean up files and make sure papers and records are in order. Our ministry now is to have a thorough goodbye grief gratitude the whole thing and then your ministry next August is to welcome the Reverend Jen Crow with joyful hearts and open arms as she will welcome you and when I'm gone from here I'm really gone even though I plan to stay for the foreseeable future in the metro area I will have no contact with you unless we're both in the checkout at Lunds. <laughs> I won't show up here at church for at least 3 years, likely longer. These are the time-tested rules. We talk we're talking about professional ethics as well as spiritual sanity and good sense. The books you loaned me over the years if you didn't retrieve them are in my office on a shelf marked borrowed books. What I'd love from you, besides hugs and words between now and June 15th, are notes. Notes from you, preferably handwritten. Email's okay, better than nothing. But preferably in your handwriting with a photo of you included. And if you like a poem or a favorite quote, something that means something to you, or a hope for your life because there is no way you won't be in my prayers and dreams forever and ever, world without end. Fifteen years ago, when I was 50 years old, and you called me to serve as your associate minister, I knew this goodbye season would one day arrive. It's what we ministers sign up for. Justin will depart one day so will Jen, so will the next minister. In the face of the inevitable death of our own ministries, writes the Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed, we go about our business of building religious community. The point is, he says, to keep asking ourselves, what do I need to do today to help the next ministry succeed? So, We are here, we ministers, to love you with all our hearts and then leave and hand on the privilege to others who will love you with all their hearts, then leave. Ministers come and go. The congregation lives on. This is how it goes. It's the way life works. A decade ago, I offered a long sermon series, two years long, if I recall, on the 16 rules of all organic life, rules that have guided evolution, rules of the game called Life on Earth. In that series I I took each of the the physical rules and looked for spiritual parallels. The list of rules came from Bert Dodson and Malin Hoagland's book, The Way Life Works, and I'll remind you of a few of the rules some of you may recall. Life builds from the bottom up. Life assembles itself into chains. Life organizes with information. Life runs on sugar. We knew that. Life works in cycles. Life recycles everything it uses. Life maintains itself by turnover. Life maintains itself by turnover. Turnover, replacement. Even the cells of our bodies are being replaced as we sit here. Some cells are arriving. Some are leaving. Hello and goodbye are the story of life. Hello and goodbye are the two really big ones. There's a classic 1978 booklet written, by, written for clergy by Roy M. Oswald about how to terminate a relationship with the congregation, do's and don'ts. It's called Running Through the Thistles. (laughs) And it's so classic that if you don't already have this on your bookshelf when you decide to leave a congregation, the Unitarian Universalist Association will send you a complimentary copy. (laughs) The title comes from Roy's, the author's, Childhood experience of walking home barefoot from school in rural Canada and having to choose each day whether to walk on the road, which was the longer way, or take the shortcut through the fields and thistle patches. He and his brothers, tired and hungry after a day at school, would often choose the shortcut, and when they got to the thistles, they would run like hell Yelping all the way, then sit down and pick the thistles out of their feet. Two different ways to get where you're going. <laughs> One is slower and requires some patience, the other is fast, but then you have to do wound care. <sighs> Roy Oswald says meaningful closure is an art for which we've had little or no preparation. He talks about the absence of good models. He says it must be done within the context of a denial-of-death society, a culture which develops attitudes and practices which militate against effective closure. He suggests we recall the last social situation we were in and notice how we made our exit at the end. What was our style? Anything we'd like to change? Oswald quotes psychologist John Hughes, who said, I contend that saying hello and saying goodbye are the two major learning tasks all humans need to accomplish. Hughes guesses that 98% of human emotional traumas, disabilities, and disorders stem from messed-up hellos or goodbyes. He says, some children come into this world and have no one in their family really say hello to them. Can you imagine what it's like trying to learn to say hello to others in the world when no one ever said hello to you when you were born? Oswald then says, Some morning in September, go to a grade school and watch first graders try to say hello to each other that first day of school. Some do okay, but some will decide to say hello by grabbing a toy out of another kid's hand. Others don't know how to say goodbye. They haven't had any models or any practice. Goodbyes are too painful. They hurt. It's tempting to avoid real goodbyes. Just send a text. And I'm proposing it's the same for nations as for individuals. So rather than feel the agony, know the grief... Brought on by one war, we'll just busy ourselves with the next war. More blood, more haste, more heartbreak as we run through the thistles. But this month here at church, we're celebrating good news. Good news, the good news of our faith. And if you weren't here, listen to Justin's last two sermons and savor. They are full of good news and food for thought. And here is more good news. In this faith community, we are committed to practicing good hellos and good goodbyes. Good hellos to our infants and children, to new members, to those around us in the pews, new ministers, good hellos in our small groups as we share and witness in reverence to one another's life journeys, and these hellos are practice for hellos outside these walls as we greet those from other communities and backgrounds. We're committed to good, wholehearted hellos, and we're committed to holy goodbyes whether we're singing our children to their classes or blessing one another hand in hand with Go Now in Peace or saying goodbye at life's end. We do our best to celebrate the life of the departed one in all its its sacred complexity as we cry and sing and tell stories. The Reverend Mark Morrison-Reed says, One of the hard blessings of ministry is being invited into the lives of those who are dying. Over and over again, we are given the opportunity to learn how to die, and then when we leave a congregation, we get to practice. I have 15 years of files, actual files, the manila paper kind, (laughs) files with congregants' names on them. They hold papers and notes I gathered when I was preparing Memorial services for them, each life precious, and as the rules of this game of life assure us, unrepeatable, one time only. I can still see these people. Sometimes I see them sitting in the pews with you Betty Benjamin, Earl and Audrey Masterson, Len Belkey. Frank Blake, Sharon Bishop, Wade Johnson, Will Hartfelt, Ken Olson, Julia Berg, Larry Lavercombe, Rachel Ritchie, John Yokum, John Whipple, Teresa Schroer, Preben Mossborg, Harold Jerf, Hildegard Holtz, Ray and May Warner, Drew Cummins, John Addington, Nancy Kelly, Barbara Rames, Jack Heckelman, and more, many more. I love each one. And I know that without them, you would not be the church you are now. From each of them and from their families and friends, I have learned important truths about living and dying, and Mary Oliver says it best in her poem, Heavy. Heavy. That time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer and I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this as well as friends still. I was bent and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, It's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief, it's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it, when you cannot and would not put it down. Grief is not too high a price to pay. It's all in how we carry it. When Gail Hartman's husband, Peter Clark, died Last January, we held a celebration of Peter's life here in this sanctuary. And Gail, who had a strong marriage with Peter for nearly four decades, Gail stood up here and bravely, beautifully spoke to the gathering of friends and family. She shared what her mentor, Jungian analyst James Hollis, said to her many, many months earlier when they spoke about Peter's illness and about loss and death. Gail said... James told me something so simple and true that everyone we love, be it a child, a parent, a spouse, a friend, a sister, a brother, will either lose us or we will lose them. It's as simple as that. And if being alive is in large part about loving, then being alive is also about dying. Gail said, this has been a great comfort to me. This ordeal of grief and of loss is a part of human nature and something we all have in common, everyone in this room. My grief and deep sadness about losing Peter is there because I love him so much, which means I am alive, and so I am in awe of the whole difficult experience. Gail ended by saying the sadness she feels never outweighs her gratitude for having shared a life with Peter. It's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it when you cannot and would not put it down. Then my mother Jane died three weeks ago on Easter Sunday morning. She was 90, and I was there, and my brothers were there. We sang to her the lullabies she'd sung to us as she rocked us in the big red chair by the picture window overlooking the lake. We sang to her. We didn't know if she could still hear, but it didn't matter because we needed to sing "Baby's fishing for a dream, fishing near and far. His lines a golden moonbeam, his baits a silver star. Sail, baby, sail, out upon the sea. Only don't forget to sail back again to me. Many of you have been through this one way or another with a loved one. When that little heart machine, which has been beating day and night for how many years, just stops, it is so beyond comprehension. Where does the breath go after all that labor? Was this a death or a birth? Where is she now? That Easter morning, I gathered up some things that were near her, the floppy stuffed lamb, sheep and knitting were important, her bifocals on a chain, the little China music box that plays How Great Thou Art When You Open the Lid. Things serve as anchors as I put out to sea with the question, Mother of mine, where and how will I find you? And you, my dear ones, you, are my anchor too because of all you've taught me about the voyage. Remember what Gail said about feeling so fully alive in the face of the mystery. It's like that. The day after my mother died, one of my colleagues said, you might want to read over the words you wrote about grief the ones you give out to others they're not bad you know <laughs> so here are some of them <laughs> reading them to you and to me what helps what helps when you are living with loss grief and great change it helps to expect that you'll be surprised no one exactly like you has ever experienced a loss just like yours your inner landscape Your intimate story is yours and no one else's. It helps to understand that this will take you on an unpredictable journey and that this change is a thing that happens not just in your soul but in your body. It helps to know that your feelings can be complex and multiple, sorrow and relief, love and anger, despair and hope can yo-yo in astonishing ways. It helps when you can welcome all the feelings and ask them to tea. It helps to give sorrow words to tell your heart to those who know how to listen and love you, the ones who don't mind at all when you repeat yourself. It helps to remember that there are things you will never know, never figure out or reason your way to. And it helps to recognize that though your loved one dies, your relationship does not. It changes. It flows It grows, it distills, it lives. It helps to know that when grief comes, it comes as teacher. It shows us what we fear, what we love, and what we hold true. It tells us if we listen a hundred ways to honor our loved one. It teaches us how we wish to live our days. helps to recognize that though your loved one dies, your relationship does not end. It changes, it distills, it lives. Last week, I saw a card at the paper source shop in Uptown. On the front, there's a fine line drawing, black and white, of two skeletons holding hands. You can see that inside each of their bony rib cages, there's still a red beating heart. And the text under the skeleton lover says, Till death do us part is for quitters. (laughs) This is more good news. Love doesn't end. We say this so often here. The something that happens under the breastbone, in the muscle and the blood, that's real, that's forever. And so, what we get to have after the good, thorough goodbye is a new kind of hello, a new way to be together, and we're barely aware of it most of the time. It's something, in Mary Oliver's words, not to be held in the hand, not even a feather but something to be believed. What we learn from each other, what is awakened in us by witnessing one another's lives, the truths we've taught each other are in us. They guide us every step. Believe it. We can't help but carry each other here. I could not, would not have it any other way. Another minister led the memorial service for my mother. What a wonderful thing. (laughs) I could sit in the pew with my family and with friends who go all the way back to kindergarten. I did stand and read one poem. I read it to my mother, if you know what I mean. And now I'll read it to you because it applies. It's by E.E. E. Cummings. I carry your heart with me. I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear, and whatever is done by only me is your doing, my darling. I fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful you. Are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant, and whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. hello, goodbye, hello, goodbye, hello. Our lives are made of these. And all our hellos and goodbyes are held inside that huge heart, that great indestructible heart we call the spirit of life and love. Held safe, now and forever, world Without end, this is more good news. And I believe it. So be it. Amen.